Welcome to the Tomes and Tropes podcast, where books and friendships collide. I'm Becca. And I'm Carrie, and we're two friends who love to talk about books. Today, we are talking about The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, Part 5, The Shadow Who Smiled and The Girl Who Smiled Back. Quick reminder that this is an adult book, but we will be keeping our adult content to a minimum. And as a reminder, we will not be spoiling any future parts or chapters of this book. If you haven't read parts one through five yet, go finish that and come back when you're done. Okay, so now we're going to move on to our one sentence summaries, where we summarize each chapter into one sentence. Again, we're talking about part five in this episode. So we're going to be going through part five, chapter one, all the way through part five, chapter 15. Part 5, Chapter 1, Vion sur Sarth, France, 1764. Addie starts to make Estelle's house homey again, but Luke shows up to ruin her moment. Then Addie slaps him, and he makes her feel every bit of the 50 years that has passed. Chapter 2, New York City, March 2014. Addie picks up the notebook that Henry has been writing Addie's stories down in, and she reads, marveling at how her story is not fading away. Chapter 3, France, 1778. Addie gets to see the ocean, and Luke takes her to a church where he tries his best to convince her to surrender. Chapter 4, New York City, March 2014. Henry continues to be just the best and show Addie the Whispering Gallery in Grand Central, and Addie is so happy that there are still new things to learn and discover after 300 years. Chapter 5, France, 1789. Luke saves Addie from a group of men, and he takes her to a new place for the first time and reveals that it is not a kindness, but he wants to be the one who breaks her. Chapter 6, New York City, March 2014. When Addie tries to leave without paying, Henry and Addie have their first fight, where Addie is concerned that she has ruined everything, but Henry offers her an olive branch when asking for more of her story. Chapter 7, Italy, 1806. Addie wakes up in a bed that isn't her own, and Matteo draws her in charcoal, which helps her to turn down Luke yet again. Chapter 8, New York City, April 2014. Henry is writing down every story Addie is telling him, and when she teases him about his urgency in writing them, she ominously thinks that she doesn't really know how much time they truly have. Chapter 9, England, 1827. Luke visits an unprepared Addie, not on their anniversary, but in March, and shows her what it looks like when he takes a soul, all of it and all of him. Chapter 10, New York City, May 2014. After bringing home Book, the cat, Henry becomes determined to take a Polaroid of Addie, and after trying many techniques and failing, he is finally able to figure out a way to capture her. Chapter 11, France, 1854. Addie visits her hometown again and embraces the changes it has undergone, even going as far as to describe herself as a witch and a ghost to its current dwellers. Chapter 12, New York City, July 2014. Celebrating Henry's birthday with B and Robbie, Toby unexpectedly comes on stage and sings her melody with his lyrics, and she doesn't feel happy to hear Toby's music like she has felt with other art depictions. Chapter 13, Germany, 1872. Addie is saved yet again by Luke on the train, and he shows her the beauty of the opera. Chapter 14, New York City, July 2014. Henry has been acting weird all day, and when Henry says nothing is wrong, Addie knows that she should have pushed and asked for more. Chapter 15, England, 1899. Addie has made a home in a cabin in the snow when Luke visits. He only tells her stories of the world instead of trying to take her from it. Bum, bum, bum. all right Carrie that's a lot that's a lot what did you think about <laughs> part five so part five really felt like a build-up part like we are really I really felt like we're building up to part six and seven and so we've got to learn a lot about Luke and Addie's relationship his power people in history that Luke has made deals with, as well as more about Henry and Addie's relationship and how each of them is impacted by their curses, specifically in their relationship, which was interesting. I didn't love this part as much, but like I said, I felt like we really needed this part before our last two parts to really make those next 
parts six and seven impactful and emotional i'm ready yeah. to be devastated yeah I agree. one criticism i really had about this part was that it felt super cheesy with luke making a deal with joan of arc and beethoven i i didn't love it i just felt like it was super cheesy it felt disjointed um I, I'm a music history music girl, and I didn't really love seeing Beethoven in this, and I don't know why. It just maybe felt like a little too real world, and maybe because this is more fantasy, Yeah. so it just felt a little disjointed, but... With that, I really enjoyed seeing how Addie got from place to place. We got to see her travel. We got a little more scenery outside of France and New York City in this part. It was very hard to stop in part five because I know more is about to come and I'm just dying to know what happens. Yeah. Rebecca, what did you think of part five? Yeah, I agree with most of what you said. Um, I do think it was a build up part. I didn't mind Beethoven as much. I thought that scene was very showing of Luke and who he was, which I didn't mind. I did think mm. that Joan of Arc was a little forced. It felt a little <laughs> much. So yeah, I do agree with you there. But it's funny because I, Carrie and I were literally talking uh, last week about how if I could have one more character show up on the, or if I could have one character show up on the page more often, it would be Luke. And I feel like this part really satisfied that and mm. scratched that itch that I was having of all of our three main characters that we have. So I did like it. Ooh. I also think it did answer a question that we had from last week where Luke does have a chosen form and he shows up as Luke, what we know Luke to look like, the dark hair, dark eyes, whatever. He shows up That's like that true. in his human form to everybody, not just Addie and Henry, but to everybody. But that's not his true form. His true form is the monster that we saw in the Beethoven scene. So I do think that was answered, which was really cool for me. We got that answer. <laughs> but I'm nervous about the ending with Henry. I think we it his deal is less than we think it is and i'm just wondering how long he made his deal for so i think it answered a lot of questions it was a build-up part but i still have more questions that i hope get answered <laughs> very soon oh uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a doozy we also got the answer to the question about if henry is writing her story you think we did yeah i think it was in chapter three chapter two because he he's been writing i'll have to look it up but i'm pretty sure we got the answer that henry is indeed writing her stories because the notebooks are now filling up and they're shorter very journal like I, they had some like note to something you said in part four i think in our episode very like okay i'll have to look it up i should have came prepared with this i'm so sorry yeah i do we did get a we did get a lot of henry writing Addie's stories down in this in this part but i didn't feel like we got the answer of this book is henry writing Addie's story if that makes sense but if you found a different part please let me know because I would love to love to know that. Perfect. Well, so now we're going to go into who we met in part five. Um, normally, this is where we would do our most notable characters that we got to meet for the first time, but we really didn't meet any significant characters in part five except yeah. for Mateo, but I really, I really don't think he was that significant, but we are going to give him a, an honorable mention here because... He is an artist that we could potentially label as a lover. Um, and Addie often posed for him for his drawings. And he never really cared that he could remember her. So that was cute. I like that. And um, we did get to see some of our beloved or somewhat 
not beloved side characters like B and Robbie. Boo. I know Becca loves Robbie. <laughs> well, we also like you were saying, Becca, we got to know Luke a little bit better and we also got to see Toby again. So we haven't seen him in a hot minute. So it was good to see him. Hello, yeah. Toby. Welcome I do want to say, though, that as much as I just like Robbie, that I think that's a nod to V.E. Schwab of her writing style and the fact that she can make me dislike a side character so much (laughs) not to the point where I don't want to see him on the page but just like dislike him you know Mm -hmm. but I still want to know what happens with him so oh yeah good job and I think I almost like softened towards him in this part because of how Addie softened towards him like she started to understand him a little bit and um figure out how to get him to like not treat her with such hostility yeah i mean she's had many tries so (laughs) trial and error she finally figured it out so i did we kind of got to at least for me i softened towards him a little bit but i still don't like him because he's so jealous and i loved the part where Addie, after she like threw him threw herself at robbie and was like i can't wait to see your plays and like got so excited i loved the part where afterwards Addie was went up to henry and was like i think i broke robbie like that's such a (laughs) like i think that shows a lot of like dedication on her part Mm-hmm. to wanting this thing with Henry to work because she doesn't have to like she like mm-hmm. Addie she knows it's going to be a difficult road every single time because he always forgets and she she doesn't have to keep working as hard to make Robbie like her as she does but mm. she continues to work for him and I just think that's the sweetest thing I didn't even think of that go addy yeah that's so nice she's the best oh it just made me love them so much more (laughs) and i'm done okay so now we're gonna move on to our quotables as a reminder these are our notable quotes and or parts that we just want to pick out and talk about They are in chronological order, so we're going to start from chapter one and go all the way to potentially chapter 15, if we have one. I don't remember. (laughs) We do have one in chapter one, so we're going to get started right there. Amazing. (laughs) Ah. So it's a direct quote. It says, the next time Addie comes, they will all be dead. The last of her old life, her first life buried in the same 10 meter plot. So in this section, I mean, this is a heartbreaking sentence. In general, it's fine. I wanted to cry, but I didn't. I'm saving all my tears for part six and seven. (laughs) But (laughs) in this section, Addie is coming to terms with her curse and what it all really, really means. The life that she has truly always known, like the life she grew up with, the people she loved are all gone and she is truly alone in the world. So not only it's beyond like her being forgotten, it's that like the people aren't even alive anymore. And so that's incredibly difficult for her, I'm sure. And then we also get to see this in chapter 11 of this part when she goes again. Um, I just really like the imagery here. Um, Our girl is going through this, but it, it really helped me feel what she was feeling and like imagining how it would feel if you like lost everyone and you were still alive like I can't even imagine losing everyone you love in that way so yeah I just wanted to point that out because I think this is a good part for her to be like this is a huge character development like you are you're truly alone in the world but she pushes through so we love that I really liked the imagery here or not just the imagery but the parallels here because you and I just noticed it when you read it again but it's the they all will be dead the last of her old life her first life buried in the same 10 meter plot and in i very early on in the book we get a very similar comment from addy about everybody here is just content to stay here and be buried within the the same 10 meter plot and that's a very common theme throughout the whole book is that Mm -hmm. that language specifically so I really like that parallel. 
All right, so our next quotable is from chapter five. It's a direct quote again. His expression sours. I am a god of promise, Adeline, and wars make terrible patrons. And then he offers her a glass to toast with, and he says, quote, to long life. First of all, my nerdy self loves whenever an author says someone's expression sours, because I think we can all relate to have it, having seen someone do this. Very, I love because I can just imagine what Luke looks like and how his expression is just like, ugh. Like, ugh. I think of my dog when his nose scrunches up a little bit and he gets a little angry. (laughs) He's so cute. Yeah. He also has a TikTok page at Moses and Marvin. Yes, go follow it. it. And then we'll have to find, what's yours? It's Friday the Pup. Oh, yeah. At It's Friday the Pup. There you go. Shameless plugs for our dogs. We love them. (laughs) So we get to know what kind of god Luke actually is. We already know he's a shadowy dark god who looks like the man that Addie has like been drawing since she was young. But he specifically says he is a god of promise. This part I ask, is this making me soften to him? This is when I really started to be like, do I like Luke? Do I feel bad for him? Do I like this evil god? Oh no, oh no, oh no. Can I ask why you would feel bad why you feel bad for Luke? Because he's like always taking their souls, but he's never like give like truly giving something or like having a relationship. And I think he kind of we well, we can talk about this more later cuz I think I have a good point to this in our last quotable, but okay. Yeah, I don't know. I just, this is when I first started to be like, hmm, do I not hate Luke? Our next quotable comes from chapter seven, and it says, there is a warning tint to his gaze tonight, and knowing Luke, he would find a way to turn it against her, to take this small solace from her before she's found a way to use it. And we get this quote right after Mateo is drawing her in the sheets, and she rubs her finger over the charcoal and she just is enamored with how the charcoal interacts like with her fingers and on her skin and she just loves that and that little piece of the charcoal on her finger I think helps her to approve or helps her to deny Luke this time around when like he's trying to get her to surrender but what I found interesting in this part is a couple things first of all when luke shows up he gets maybe two paragraphs at the end of this this chapter and he gets very little page time so this this page is or this chapter is not about luke and her anniversary it's really about mateo drawing her and the effect that that had on her when she realized like he could draw her and I think that's really important I'm still I think I'm still on the train of Henry is writing this story and I think Mm -hmm. this is confirmation for me I don't think we get confirmation explicitly yet that like this is Henry writing her story but I think this is a little nod because I feel like out of this this is how Addie wants her story to be told for this specific chapter and this is what's so important to her rather than what actually happened you know what actually Mm. what actually happened in her conversation with Luke at that time so I think that's a little nod to it is Henry writing her story I also found it interesting that this it says there's a warning to, to his gaze tonight and knowing Luke he would find a way to turn it against her it says knowing Luke and I think by this point Addie knows Luke so well and knows his little tells yeah. and knows knows that his goal knows what his goals are knows what his intentions are knows what all those like his his feelings are and how they show up on his face and I think that that shows that they are getting to know each other so well and I don't know what that means. <laughs> what does it mean? <laughs> Literally. It's like the TikTok sound. What does it mean? 
Well, it yep. doesn't matter. So many, like, what does this mean about Luke in this part? So many. So many questions. So little answers. Yeah. I love it. That's a really good call out. Thank you. You're welcome. Our next quotable is from chapter eight. It's quote, when you live long enough, even madness ends. So this gives us an interesting perspective of Addie's life that we haven't yet seen before, which I really, really liked. It shows her growth and how she has truly overcome um, and continues to press on. Like she basically tells Henry, like, I went crazy, like, and I made it through. And she's like, she knows that even the crazy parts of her end, like the mm-hmm. madness of losing her family and not being able to own anything and make an impact on the world while living forever, like the madness ends. So she continues to press on and we love to see it. Yeah, that's a really good point. I also have one from chapter eight. It says, Henry is like bottled lightning, unable to sit still for long, full of nervous energy, but every moment there's a lull, a sliver of peace and quiet. He grabs the latest notebook and a pen, and even though she always thrills at the sight of the words, her words, spilling across the page, she teases him for the urgency with which he writes them. First of all, that was a whole paragraph in the book, and it was one sentence, so go Schwab for making that sentence grammatically (laughs) correct and getting all of that information in there. But I think there's a lot of information in that one sentence, right? So first of all, Henry is like bottled lightning. We get a very similar parallel with Remy, and I don't remember what he is, but I'm pretty sure it was like Remy is like bottled sunshine or bottled joy, Mm. bottled laughter, I think it was. Oh, yeah. So I think like she says that about a lot of different people. And um, I, I really liked that parallel where like Remy was just like joy and light and laughter and like Henry is still light. It's still a type of light, but it's lightning and it's the energy Ooh. and it's the the angst the angst that's going on all the time. So I thought that was a really cool parallel there. But I also loved how this line was giving Hamilton vibes where <laughs> like it says she teases him for the urgency with which he writes them. Like all I could hear was Eliza singing or er, Burr singing like why do you ride like we're running out of time oh yes I I kept like thinking about this like as I was reading through and I think like if we could interview Eliza Hamilton right now I think this is probably how she would have described Mm. Alexander Hamilton on a regular basis like he's always angsty he's always has nervous energy he's always writing so I thought that was kind of cool, but this also makes me love very nervous. Oh, yes. We love a Hamilton reference. 10 out of 10. You've been on fire with these. Thank you. Thank you. But this also makes me really nervous that our quote lifetime is not actually a lifetime because like he's so urgent with the time that he has left. Can we talk about the word lifetime real quick? Because in my mind, when he, when Schwab is saying lifetime about Henry's curse, mm-hmm. I'm thinking his life. Like, it could be 40 years, 50 years, 60 years. It could be 30 years. Like, I don't know. It and I don't think be, we know. Yeah, it could be like five years. And... I mean, this kind of goes to my next quotable, but before we go to that, you're, when you were talking about this quote, like, what if Luke planted those notebooks? What do because you they were empty when Addie and Henry first met, mm-hmm. and he just had a bunch of random notebooks. So what if he just, like, Luke, just put them there? Maybe. I mean, we do get a lot of 
we do get a lot of language surrounding Henry's failed hobbies. Like we get all the all the cameras, mm. we get all the instruments that are there, we get the blank canvases, we get the blank notebooks. So I don't I don't remember if the notebooks show up or are mentioned before we get a nod to the curse, but I don't I don't think that they were planted necessarily Mm, okay but i do that's a good point but i mean last time we did talk about how the blank notebooks are even more of a way that henry is enough for Addie because he can write Mm. down her story so yeah i do think it's linked to the curse but i don't think they were planted necessarily okay that's a good point i forgot about his failed hobbies that's a that's a big plot hole in my little idea but sorry to burst your bubble no no we we gotta stay true to the story that's, that's true <laughs> but back to the lifetime thing in chapter yeah. nine luke or addy learns that luke's hand she will learn is always subtle they will see his work and call it sickness call it heart failure call it madness suicide overdose accident so this could be along with that lifetime where he has it could be a car accident or he's walking across the street and gets i'm thinking of like all those movies where they like walk in front of a bus and like i don't know so this quote before you even mentioned the lifetime thing was um i wanted to point it out for two reasons so for the first we get to learn that luke doesn't really care about getting the credit for his work so he doesn't care if like they know it's him they don't like he doesn't need to like clarify that with anyone so so interesting right so he's not a prideful god or a boastful god i should say interesting Mm -hmm. that's not even something i would have picked up on it's crazy right to think about like he doesn't care that like the world knows just that the person he made the deal with knows yeah and potentially Addie, because I think this is foreshadowing. So this is my second thing I wanted to point out, is that I think this is foreshadowing on how the book will end with either Henry or Addie or both. So it could be, this is, or even, I don't know, like, I even think the side characters could have a deal of some sort, potentially, or make a deal later. Um, Mm. I don't know. I just think this is something to keep in mind that Luke uses different methods and isn't just going to like one day somebody drops dead, which is kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. When people make a deal with him. So we're just, we'll keep that in mind as we read. Yeah, that's a really good, good point of foreshadowing. I like that a lot. My brain is spinning. The wheels are spinning. I see it. (laughs) Becca's like in her like thinking mode and I love it. I love when I can make you think. I do have a very obvious thinking mode. It's very good though. It's very obvious. It's okay. Anyways, moving on to chapter 11, we get this quote. But the villain of her youth has finally faded, and she wonders if this is what a memory feels like for others, this slow erasure of details. And this is kind of similar to what we talked about in chapter one with, um, Carrie, your quote about how, like, all the people, they're, they're all gone, right? But this one was, this one was more impactful to me because I think I read this right after I went out to dinner with a friend and for those of you who don't know I live in a college town well actually most of you probably don't know I live in a very (laughs) I I I know well yeah Carrie knows (laughs) but I live in a college town so most things change on a yearly basis so for those of you just to give you a reference Um, Over the summer, our population pretty much cuts in half from the students that live in the town that I live in because they all go home. So 
Every summer, there's a ton of construction on all the college campuses around us. I think we have five within 30 minutes of me, and they're always doing construction. They're always tearing down buildings. They're always growing and trying to better themselves and accommodate um, for the growth in their students, the growth in their numbers, and the growth their the growth with like technology I know there's like a there was a engineering building that was just built that's like one of the -the state-of-the-art buildings that exists right now because it has all of the top technologies so I we went out to dinner with um, some friends the other day and one of them hadn't been on campus in so long and he was talking about like everything that changed and all the roads that now are different and the buildings that don't exist anymore and I thought I I read this right after that and I was like this makes so much sense because (laughs) yes like the the college campus of his youth has gone right it's not there anymore it is a completely different different being that exists but my question here is she says like is this what normal people feel like with their memories that like the details slowly go away but she has what normal people would consider memories because every part of the every part of her I think it's 21 years before she makes the deal with Luke those are all memories like she Mm -hmm. she talks about how she slowly loses Estelle's laugh and she slowly loses her father's voice and all those things and she has she has memories so this part didn't totally make sense to me and I guess Carrie do you think like maybe those memories are different than what we would consider memories as I don't know because like there's so much time that has gone by whereas for normal people it might be a little quicker we forget Mm -hmm. than Addie so maybe that's a difference yeah Mm. I don't know that's a good point it doesn't really make too much sense okay so our next quotable is from chapter 12 it says, you know, says B, studying her, you look so familiar. So we have heard this quite a few times from B, and it's just occurred to me when reading this part that she has said this every single time she meets Addie. And I don't know if this is something to do with her having, like, having studied the art pieces that Addie is in and, like, she wanted to do her project on, but I think it's a nod and I think it's important. I don't know if I'm just looking into this too deeply, Mm -hmm. but I really, I like that B keeps saying that, that, and she said it twice in this chapter, and I mean, she forgot her twice, which makes sense, but I she constantly says you look so familiar and that she's been dying to meet her and i oh i wanted to point out that our our little guy robbie here he's so jealous every time he meets her and he always looks her up and down and that's just a very interesting funny nod that robbie and b have such different reactions to meeting addy each time so love that (laughs) No, I do think that is because she, like, has studied the art pieces. I think think so. Because she is one of the only people who recognizes that the same girl is the muse for all of the art pieces. Like, we we get Mm -hmm. that. We get that a couple times. So I do think it's because of the art pieces. I wonder if that's how... Addie's story will kind of be wrapped up like if we don't know if B actually went through with this as her project yeah so I don't know keep it in mind that's a good that's a good point I'm kind of mind blown right now (laughs) so I need 10 to 20 minutes to process this hear me out hear me out I'm listening. What if this book is B's thesis? Stop. Because what if Henry 
dies, I think we can pretty confidently say he's going to die in this book. Uh, no. So what if he dies? Addie isn't there anymore, but B, B finds all these notebooks writing her story and mm. realizes that the book or that the art pieces that she's been seeing are actually all the same woman. So this Stop. is her I love this. This is her thesis and her writing this story because she finds all the notebooks. That's it. Episode done. We're good. This is perfect. Everybody think on that for 10 to 12 business days. <laughs> <laughs> what a specific number of business days. That would be wild. And if you figured that out, I I, I will be so impressed. Like, just that idea I'm impressed with. Please know that. For our listeners, I promise I have not read the rest of the book yet. So no. if that's actually what happens, my deepest apologies if it's a spoiler. <laughs> but I have not read the rest of the book, so I have no idea. No. We are a... We specifically do not read the next parts, so we don't spoil things. Yes, so we are all of our theories... Yes. All of our theories, reactions, thoughts they're not because we read the rest and we're trying to steer you at a specific path i promise i also could be way wrong so always <laughs> i like <too>. your theory <laughs> okay so our next quotable comes from chapter 13 now that we have to move on from that brain train life altering theory so it says she wants to bottle this feeling to carry it with her through the dark First of all, we get so many references to bottling a feeling, bottling something, somebody is a is lightning in a bottle, whatever, right? We get so many references to that, and I don't know why. Like, I cannot figure out what that is relating to. My mind is blown. Either way, this quote is during the opera and i loved chapter 13 if i could just like chapter 13 was just such a good chapter for me i i loved reading through it because it was such an accurate depiction of the first time i went to a show so i just loved reading through it (laughs) but this was like I said, this was during the opera, and it's the beauty of live theater, right? It's like nothing else, and the feeling you get in the theater while watching a show is entrancing and beautiful, and I completely agree with bottling this feeling and wanting to do it. I mean, I just think back to when Carrie and I went to go see Wicked, and like, uh, like the opening number starts, and like, there are just tears in your eyes because you like <laughs> you're just so excited and when Liam and I um, my husband and I when we went to New York and we saw Phantom of the Opera on Broadway and Jealous. the like the overture starts and the chandelier swings up and like I just started like tears filled my eyes because I was just <laughs> so excited like there is nothing like it and I just loved I loved this chapter because I could feel it I could feel what Addie was feeling and there's nothing else that makes me feel like a live show so mm-hmm. and I'm a little jealous of Addie in this moment <laughs> to be totally honest because this does happen after her deal and I think that's obvious right but what may not be obvious is this memory is stuck in her brain so she can relive it as many times as she wants and she can go through all the feelings and all the emotions and just watch the show like she did the first time and I think that's such a cool that would be such a cool thing to like be able to relive that memory over and over and over again now that's like the first part right bottling the feeling The second part of this quote is she wants to carry it through her, carry it with her through the dark. And I have a question here about like, what does it mean to carry it through the dark? And I'm going to explain my question, Carrie, and then I want you to answer it. Okay. So up until this point, 
the darkness that we see on a regular basis has been Luke, right? He's all—he's the one who's always described as the darkness. He's the one, like, there's very little that is described as dark outside of Luke in this story. Most other people are light, right? Before we get to his being dark, like Luke himself being dark, when she travels through the darkness with Luke the first time and she like she travels like through time and space to get to I think it's is it Italy the first time um she describes as going through the darkness like the darkness surrounds her and then she like comes out of it as soon as she's in it but then the second time she says she realizes it as Luke as it being Luke himself like that is the essence Mm -hmm. of Luke So, is she thinking in this moment the figurative dark, where, like, the dark times, like, she's going to have hard times in her life and she's going to want to bottle this feeling so she can, she can look back on it and remember the fond times that she had to, like, get herself through the madness, for lack of a better word, or Mm. is this more figurative or is this more literal when like Luke comes to take her soul and like she's in the dark that she wants to bottle Mm. this feeling and carry it through oh what do you think Carrie I my first initial reaction is like to carry it with her when she feels like giving in to him and giving up because I think oh, it reminds her of like that's a good idea. okay like I'm here to experience this is what I made the deal for to experience life outside of Milan. so that's my first initial reaction but I, I definitely think it could be all of the above like it could be carry it with her through dealing with Luke it could be like carrying it through when she dies when she's feeling really low but it could just be something that keeps her going when things get really tough so i think it could be all of it maybe that's why she said the dark because anything darkness is related to luke so anything i don't know that's a good good question good call out yeah just something i was thinking about hmm I love it. All right, we have two more quotables, so stay with us. <laughs> the the we do have a chapter 15 one. So we do. But we're going to get to chapter 14 first. So this one I read probably four times because I was like, what does it mean? What does it mean? So it says, and maybe it is just one of his storms, she thinks. Maybe it is the summer heat. It is not, of course. And later, she will know the truth. And she will wish she'd asked. Wish she'd pressed. Wish she'd known. Say that three times fast. But <laughs> literally, I read this part like four or five times. Like, I just kept rereading and rereading. Like, what did I miss? What does it mean? Tell me everything I need to know. What does it mean that she will know the truth? So, I just... I'm like, maybe if I read it enough times, it'll tell me what this means. But I, we got it. This is like red flag central. Like we're going to have to keep an eye out for this in part six because I need an explanation and I need it now. So tonight I will be reading part six because I need to know if this is answered and I want to be devastated. So. And I want to be devastated. (laughs) (laughs) I just love Henry so much. I want to know what's going on. But our final quote, quotable is in chapter 15 and i think luke may love her so here's why he says in chapter 15 i saw an elephant in paris so he's telling her about things he has seen like you would like a significant other something that she would be interested in something that she would find cool and a blanket was over her shoulders when she woke up from hanging out with Luke. Only someone who, like, cares about you would do that, in my mind. So, here's a question. 
is this an enemies to lover type of trope that we're dealing with and i don't know how i feel about that uh it's it's icky because i love henry and her I hope it's not an enemies to lovers. I think we've talked about this before, but I think the power dynamics here is too much to like overcome mm-hmm. for them to be lovers. I think they can be good friends, but I don't know. I just think the power dynamics would make this icky for me. I think there's definitely there could definitely be a lover side for Luke. I don't know about Addie. But I just really want to know if something happened because he looks so much like the man that she's drawn, drew, drew for the last few. Drawn. Like, yeah, thank you. Words are hard. But (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. So I definitely think he has a soft spot for Addie. This specific quote happened 200 years after they made the deal. And we have gone back and forth on this podcast if luke is a lover but i i definitely think he could potentially love her i think this is planting a seed for us to be like hold up what's happening but we'll see very nervous i think yeah i don't know this could be like kind of what we talked about earlier is that he is maybe needing a relationship and needing companionship almost and like starting to care about her because she's so determined. This is probably one of the longest times that a person has withstood this curse. So this is all probably new for Luke too. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I still don't want to forget, though, that he is a god. Yes, he is. And don't get me wrong. Like I said, I think Luke as a character is amazing. I enjoy when he is on the page. But there's a power dynamic difference. So significant. And, you know, Addie even says, like, one time it's salt and one time it's honey. Like, sometimes he's really Mm -hmm. sweet and sometimes he's really, like, aggressive and angry and, like, forceful. Oh, yeah. So, I don't know. I'm not saying he's a good lover, but... (laughs) (laughs) My favorite quote of this chapter, or this part, comes from chapter 13. And this just made me think and dwell on this this quote was and it says but when it's late and he is gone and she is left to wander the opera plays on perfectly preserved inside the prism of her memory and Addie wonders softly silently if their souls were a fair price for such fine art and I think that's so adequate and so telling of Addie's thought process but also of what happens to artists. Like, most of the best artists that we know of have gone mad to the world standards, right? And the mm-hmm. smart people, like, I think of, like, like Einstein, for example. Like, he was so smart and he's so well-known, but, like, I'm sure in his day he was deemed crazy and his thoughts were, were, were insane. And, you know, that does something to a soul, So I thought that was kind of interesting that, like, art is born out of pain, and we get that earlier in in this book, too. It's like pain can be beautiful, pain can create, it can form, or whatever the quote is exactly, but um, I do think there's a lot of parallels there that, like, a soul can be tortured, but tortured souls also create the best art. Mm-hmm. That's a great quote. My favorite quote is from chapter four, where it says, Addie marvels, 300 years and there are still new things to learn. I just, this was kind of thought provoking for me because I'm like, as a kid, I'm like, I always thought that was my time to learn. And then once I'm an adult, 
that's it but i feel like we can always mm. learn th- new things so it's really good to see that even Addie, 300 years old plus is <laughs> learning new things yeah such a good point mm-hmm so we're going to move on to our timeline now, and this is going to be a little bit different of a segment than it normally is. We're going to do this for both part five and part six because there's a lot of dates here. We've gone through a lot of dates in this whole book, so today on part five, we are going to just talk about the additions to our timeline. Part six, we are also just going to talk about our additions to the timeline in that part. And then part seven, we're going to go through from beginning to end. So today we have, we're going to start in 1764. We got a lot of additions to the early timelines in this chapter or in this part. So we're going to go through those. So we start in 1764 and this is when Luke makes Addie feel her age all at once. And that this was so, this part in and of itself was just very angsty. Like I felt very angsty when I was reading it and we didn't even talk about it. But anyways, that was a big part of the book. Um, In 1789, Addie travels with Luke through the quote dark for the first time. And that was a big, a, a big change in their relationship, I think. Um, in 1806, we have Matteo drawing her. That was a big piece. In 1827, Luke takes Beethoven's soul. In 1872, Luke sees, or I'm sorry, Addie sees the opera for the first time, which I think just changed her perspective on life. And 1899, Luke visits and just tell Addie's stories. That's when they're in the cabin in the snow. And I just loved that part. So those are additions yeah so those are additions to the old timeline and then our new timeline we only had two additions that i thought were significant we had a lot of other things that happened but there were only two significant pieces or significant times that i really wanted to highlight here the first one was on june 11th 2014 and this is when Toby comes on stage again and while Addie and Henry are at the bar. I think we're going to talk about this later, but this was a major part for me that solidified a question that I had before. And then July 4th, 2014, Henry starts acting weird at the July 4th party. So those are the two big pieces that I think were significant in part six for the later timeline. It's great. I'm excited to hear to see what part six holds. Mm-hmm. Scary. <laughs> Very scary. But now we will move into our timeless treasures, which is where we go over the art pieces that are presented in the first page of each part. So I'm going to read from the book exactly what we have here. All right, so the title, I'm going to butcher this. I took Latin and not any other language, so this is going to go terrible. So it is Ho Portato Listel Eletto. I probably butchered that, but I apologize. <laughs> the artist is Matteo Renati. The date was circa 1806 to 1808. The medium is 20 centimeters by 35 centimeters pencil sketch on partment parchment the location is on loan from gallery del academia the description is an illustration of a woman the lines of her body imitated by the twisting bed sheets her face is a little more than angles framed by messy hair but the artist has given her one very specific feature seven small freckles and a band across her cheeks the background this drawing found in Renati's 1806 to 1808 notebook is a is thought by some to be the inspiration for his later masterpiece The Muse. While the model's pose and the work's medium are different, the number and placement of the freckles in, is conspicuous enough for many to speculate on the model's enduring importance in Renati's work. The estimated value is $267,000. So, in chapter 7, we learn about this specific art piece created by Matteo, and he seemed just overtaken by his need to draw her, that he doesn't even care that he remembered Addie or not. He was just 
had to draw her. So as we have read each part, we get to see clear representations of Addie, and this is one of the most obvious ones we see. So Mateo has used her as the inspiration to so many sketches, and as the years have gone on, her marks grow even bigger. So this is, we can talk about this more when we reach part seven and go over the different art pieces, but this is a trend we have seen throughout. At first, we have just a wooden bird that no one knew where it came from. And then we have Sam's painting with the only obvious point to Addie being the seven stars. To now we have a woman under the sheets with seven freckles very particularly on her face. So it's getting more and more specific as we move through the book. And I'm excited to see you. I took a little sneak peek at part six. So I'm very excited to go over part sixes. Um, yeah, so I love it. Let's go Addie. That's so interesting. Yeah, you pointed that out that like each, um, each art piece has been more specifically her and I, that's not something I ever would have picked out. So good job. 10 out of 10. Go Schwab for being amazing. (laughs) So lastly we have the sevens which as a reminder there's a theme of sevens in this book so we pick them out every time at every part um so we start with the seven freckles on her face seven parts of the book seven loves she will have seven lives she will lead seven gods watching over her seven stars on the cover of the book seven art pieces and the seven languages so Mm. i have a couple edits this week to I have a couple additions so we have some additions to the sevens but I have a couple edits on sevens that we've been going over so let's start with the additions so we have two new lives so we had France and New York City before we have I'm sorry we have three new lives so we have Italy Germany and England this this part so we have mm-hmm. we are up to a total of five so before we had new york city and france but now we have england germany and italy as an addition so we're up to five we are confirming today Ooh, confirmation stamp confirmation. of approval boom that toby gets a permanent spot as a lover Yep. I don't know how to do sound effects, so you guys all get my little sound effects. I loved it. I loved it. But he is getting a permanent spot as a lover. We've been asking that for the entire series that we've been going through. He gets a permanent spot because of the bar scene and the Mm -hmm. reaction that Addie has to him. Now, she has a reaction to the song. And I don't want to discount that. I think her leaving the bar was in reaction to the song. But when he came up, she had a reaction to him as well. Mm -hmm. So Toby gets promoted to a permanent spot. He is no longer a pencil in. He is stamp of approval confirmed. (laughs) You have been promoted. (laughs) You are now our new elite employee i gotta make i gotta make another one (laughs) okay and then we also i'm gonna give mateo a lover spot i normally wouldn't Mm. like i wouldn't just based on the book like the pages the chapters but because he gets an art piece featured he's gonna be a lover and I saw your notes, and I think, like, the fact that he drew her for two years. Yeah. It shows they have, like, something. Like, she felt something for him. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, Mateo. So, now we are up to six lovers. We have Toby, Sam, Henry, Remy, Luke, and Mateo. Yeah. We still have the uh, New Orleans person if there is a an additional person you know the more that i read the more that i think new orleans might be a confirmation that luke is a lover that's what i'm thinking yeah either like something happened there where these are my predictions and i know we're not 
in this part at all but that he got jealous of whatever whoever the lover was that's my prediction but i think there was a fire or something so that's my especially after finding out he has little non-happy accidents the opposite bob ross accidents here that cause chaos and death sorry went on a little tangent there you can take this no no that's okay um but i think luke I think we can count him as a lover, specifically with the cabin scene already. So I'm not going to wait until next week to confirm him. We're going to confirm him <laughs> as well. So okay, Sounds he's going to be a lover. So like I said, we're up to six lovers right now. We get confirmation of eight languages in this Ooh. part. We get a full list from Addie herself of the languages she knows. So we... And I'm Carrie, I have a question at the end of this. So we get in chapter six, she lists them off and she says she knows French, English, Greek, Latin, German, Italian, Spanish, and some Portuguese. So we get eight languages. Now, is the some Portuguese enough to take it off the sevens list? I mean, that would even out. We currently have eight sevens. Like we do a list of eight sevens, so that would take that one off, because the other ones I think are more significant. So I think I we agree. could take it off. We can see okay. what part six and seven hold, but okay. yeah, I think we could probably take it off. I I kind of thought that the languages might get pushed off because she seemed to know a lot. Okay. Okay. But we can we can good catch. Um, And then my last question. So we have seven gods watching over her as one of the sevens, but we have only been introduced to Luke. So I am very interested to see how parts six and seven go, but we may only get Luke. We may not get the rest of the seven gods that are watching over her. Now, for those of you who don't remember, the seven gods, um, we have the seven loves she will have, the seven lives she will lead, and the seven gods watching over her. Those are all from Estelle when they Mm -hmm. are talking about her freckles, and that's like way early in part one. So those are not things that we've noticed, but things that we were kind of told to keep an eye out for. So we may... We're doing pretty well on the lovers, so we're doing Mm -hmm. pretty well there. We have six, and we're doing pretty well on the lives. We have five right now, but to only have one god watching over her, I think, is kind of a sign that we may not have seven gods watching Mm -hmm. over her. And that that could be because, like, that could be explained away by her making that deal, and so there's mm-hmm. no longer seven gods watching over her. Just one. Yeah. I guess yeah. we'll see. Well done, Schwab. Don't disappoint us. Yeah. That's a really good point. So yeah, that's it for the sevens. <sighs> Great job. All right. So we are in our segment where we, because as friends, we recommend each other things all the time. So we are going to recommend some different things. We are not sponsored, so these are real recommendations. So real, no ads here. Here we go. Oh yeah, no. So the first mine is the screen cleaner spray. It's really, really, really good for computers, for TVs. I love a clean screen. It bothers me when my laptop is dirty. So ten out of ten. It is like a little on the expensive side, but it comes with a microfiber towel. It's like $17 for a big spray, but it works so well. And you really only need like one spray for your laptop and then like a couple sprays for your TV, depending on how big it is. But definitely recommend for screens. No streaks here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And my recommendation this week is the Comfy for this is literally this was on shark tank and liam bought this for me as a joke well not really as a joke he thought i would like it but i don't think he thought i would wear it as much as i do but it's basically this big sweatshirt that is like 
10 sizes too big and it's like a Sherpa on the inside and it has a pocket Ooh. and it has sleeves and it has a hood. And I, on Sunday, got so cold and put it on and it just like warms your soul. When I'm sick, Ugh. it's like the only thing I want. <laughs> so highly recommend. You look kind of silly. I'm not going to lie, but... <laughs> For it is perfect for all of our listeners who are readers, which should be all of you. <laughs> it is perfect to cuddle up in your reading chair and because you have sleeves so you can turn your book pages mm-hmm. or tap on your Kindle or if you have one of those Kindle clicker things, I don't have one yet. But anyways, regardless, 10 out of 10, the comfy, I will always recommend it. I need one. Whenever I move out of Florida, count me in. I'll buy one immediately. Yes, for sure. Boom. But thank you so much for listening to us today. For more content, make sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok. It's at Tomes and Tropes Pod. Or if you have thoughts about this episode or this book, email us at tomesandtropespod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. We'd love to hear your thoughts on does Henry actually have a lifetime or is it shorter than we think? Does Luke actually love Addie or is it just a play to get her to surrender? Or do you think our theory about B writing this thesis is correct? We'd love to know. We'll see you next week. Stay curious. Keep reading and and craft craft your your own story. story.